Folks, I have to be honest with you. That price action yesterday and really into the close had me leaning a little bit long today. Did I think it would be because of the Australian bank only raising a quarter instead of a half? Are you ready for a rant on quantitative easing and why we're going to have a $10 loaf of bread? Someone put their money where their mouth is at Berkshire Hathaway. Let's get to it, Mitch. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. morning traders and investors i don't know what to say let's run down the futures bring in triple d and uh mitch and they can make some sense out of this we're up 62 and a quarter handles 37 52 50 focusing on last week's high we're already back at last week's high 51 and a quarter oh the buck is dead down 54.6 cents at 111.11 gotta like that if you go to 711 uh tlt up 50 cents 104.33 uh, crude, they're cutting. Everyone knows it. Up a buck twelve, eighty-four seventy-five. One of the biggest two, three-day moves in gold you're gonna see. Up eleven forty at seventeen thirteen forty. Silver's been the champ. Not twenty, but twenty-one. Up twenty-one cents at twenty eighty. Even Bitcoin's getting a little bit of love today. Up four sixty at nineteen nine eighty-five. Trying to get back to twenty k. Ethereum. That's up $35.50 at $13.47.50. Let's bring in Mitch. Let's bring in Dennis. And unless Dennis is running out to the store to get a loaf of bread before it goes to $10 uh, a loaf. Well, this is a free money rally. That's Let's call this what this is. This is a free money rally. The reason for that, Australia now pivots too. So we've lost the UK. They've thrown the towel in on inflation. Now we appear to be losing Australia. They look like they're throwing in the towel on inflation. So obviously they're looking in the U.S. markets and they're saying, well, maybe Powell will pivot before we start seeing inflation come into. I mean, if, you know, that happens, that's just terrible. Um, I think we've got to stay the course. I hope Powell stays the course. I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't think we need to keep going crazy with the interest rate raises, but we need to keep them up here for a while. We can't start thinking about, you know, okay, let's get them up and let's get them down here in six months because we need to get inflation in check because I don't want to pay $10 for a gallon of milk. I don't want to pay $7 for a loaf of bread. Maybe $10 is a little bit exaggerated. But that's the case. If we don't get inflation in check, these prices are killing us. I mean, we are seeing price inflation everywhere on everything. We need to get it in check. I know it's nice to see your stocks at all-time highs, but you know what's nicer? Going into the store and not paying a ridiculous amount of money for food. So that's the trade-off here. I don't mind taking the pain on my stocks if I can get prices back in check. So Powell, please stay the course. Don't listen to these other central bankers. Europe's a mess. 
Australia following suit. What the news is, they only went a quarter. They were supposed to go a half. half so, yeah. it, and the market's seen as a pivot. So, it's seen, well, we've seen two major countries pivot, but U.S. Fed is next. Well, just like I said it earlier with our meme talk on the Friends uh, kind of pivot, right? You're going to go around the corner and hit a wall if you pivot too quickly. And this is why I don't think that the Fed will pivot quickly. At the end of the day, it's always seemed to me that we run the interest rate decisions here in the U.S. versus elsewhere across the pond, right? They're not going to determine when we're going to go ahead and get back to quantitative easing. I feel at this point, the Fed has made it as firm as can be. They will not change tune until inflation changes tune. Europe has a whole nother mess here because they're finding what? Financial instability. We're not mentioning that. Have you heard Powell mention any financial instability here? He has not mentioned that. So if you think that you're in the camp that the Fed is going to pivot quickly, well, I think you're I don't know about a pivot quickly, but I've been saying this for a long time. Forget about 2% inflation, okay? We're not going back to 2% inflation. Oh, no. No. Okay? 4%? That would be like when I, I was texting. Big yeah, time. Yeah, there we go. I almost texted you this morning and said, oh, is inflation – did we – did we cut rates already? Uh, is inflation gone? I mean, that's the way this market's reacting. I mean, I tried to, you know, I tried to be bullish, you know, last week when we were getting pounded, taking out the June low. And yeah, it's nice to see this follow through, but I'm just, I'm just like, oh my, I mean, I, my gut instinct is today is just to pile in and just sell the living daylights out of this market, but I'm not going to because you know, once the momentum gets going in one way, it's hard to stop it. But man, I sure wish it was like earnings or something a little bit more substantial than like, when did we ever mention the Australia? We've been doing this show for how many years? When do we ever mention a move by the Australian Central Bank? Never. Never. <laughs> the market is looking for a silver lining, Joel. Let's call this what this is. This market is the silver lining market trying to find a reason to buy stocks. Everybody wants to buy stocks. Everybody I'd call it more of a dream. What's that, Mitch? I'd call it more of a dream than... Well, that's what they want to do, though. They want <laughs> they an want excuse dream. to buy stocks. We they got an excuse. We saw it with UK last week. We yeah. rallied like hell. A thousand Dow points off that UK thing, and then Powell squashed it the next day. I don't know if he's coming to squashing it the next day here or not, but we're doing the same thing again. This market is the dumbest market I've ever seen in my life. And people saying, oh, you're just mad because you're short. I'm long this market. We know that, yes, I have 40% cash, but I'm 60% vested. I'm market neutral right now in my trading portfolio. So stop with the Dennis wants the market down because he's short. He's not short. I'm not short. I've been saying it's oversold, so it's hard to be short this market right now. So for this simple reason. But, I mean, (laughs) if we get to a point where all these central banks throw in the towel, we could go back to all-time highs. But you're going to see your prices at your store double on everything. I don't want that. I want them to get inflation checked because I'm sick of going into a restaurant and paying, you know, we go, I go to McDonald's on the weekend. Like, do you see the McDonald's prices? I go with the, the, the two kids, Happy Meals, and uh, me, burger, wife, burger. It was $38. No way. In Canada. Canada. So that's 30, like $30 well, okay. US. 30 you got to knock the 30% off because we're Canadian right, dollars. Right. I got you. But still, 30 30 bucks for a family of four. $30, $30 US for a family of 40 at McDonald's. I mean, this was... $18, 20 $20 pre-COVID. The prices are up 30 40% at McDonald's. They got to be. 
So, I mean, I'm just going and saying, and people saying, don't eat at McDonald's. So, you can do it. It's the point. It's the point. If I didn't have kids, I wouldn't eat at McDonald's, but they demand it. But it's the point here. Mitch, are you with me here? I mean, mean, I'd love to see the markets back at all-time highs with 4% inflation. Like, forget about two. That, we, that's cool. We if, just if got the a hot CPI highs because the Fed pivots. That's not cool. We got a hot CPI data, right? Or, you know, less than expected move, right? And then we got PCE that came in hot also. What are you guys thinking? Inflation hasn't turned around. Nothing. I can't believe that people are still in this camp that they just think that the Fed can pivot without inflation going anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere. With the amount of rates that they've hiked, yes, it has a lagging effect. It takes effect. a little time, though, Mitch. We it know has it a lagging effect. Yeah, it takes it time. has a lagging effect. Blue, you gotta blue hit us aside ahead with that a couple. Uh, when did Blue tell us that, Dennis? When, when did, what, oh, like, early. two CPI reports ago? Yeah, like in but, June but we, or July. You know it take time. <laughs> Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, I think that was in June or July. And so yeah. he said, like, about six months, right? And so, I mean, at the end of the day, there's way too many headwinds above. There's just not anything that points to me that we're just going back to the growth stocks. We just want to go back to all-time high. I think this is hopium. I think this is the bulls just being tricked. And this is how you end up getting capitulated. You end up thinking that it's the bottom, and then you get flushed out one day. And I think at the end of the day, with comments like we're getting today from the White House. White House is set to reveal, the U.S. is set to reveal uh, new fresh policies on Thursday aimed at choking off China's access to advanced chip manufacturing technology and the chips themselves. Efforts so far to date have included notification letters to chip companies and tool makers advising them on new limits on sales. How do you think this is going to react in the long run? If you take away the chips from China and we start making them here, guess where inflation's going? It ain't going down. Let's just be honest about that. If we start producing everything over here, which is what I think actually needs to happen, we're going to have a lot of short-term inflation because we don't work. We already said this. In North America, we don't work for two bucks an hour. They do in China. So it's a big difference. So that's why we get all our goods. That's why you go to Walmart and it's everything is made in China. That's why you go into Target. Everything's made in China because they work for $2 an hour. If we start producing all of our stuff over here, it's going to change the game. So, yeah, we're going to see significant price increases. But, again, if we got this East versus West thing going on and it's not going away and we're going to deglobalization, that might be where we're going. So, I mean, the whole point, and to Joel's point, bringing it all the way back, is it does take time. So the Fed has raised significantly, and I do believe that, there's a risk here that they go too much too fast and it hits us all at once. So I kind of get that. And maybe what these central banks are doing is saying they've already went a lot. Let's just wait a little bit and see what it works. But I think you kind of got to stay the course. You've kind of dictated the course. Don't start all of a sudden getting away from that. I mean, I want to see this isn't a North American problem. This is a world problem, this inflation. I want to see the prices get in check. I don't want to see us start spiraling down and we start just expecting, you know, next week it's going to be 10% higher for stuff. So, and obviously, you know, I, I want to see stocks eventually go higher as well. I don't like seeing my wealth, you know, getting destroyed in the stock market. Nobody likes seeing that. But at the same time, I'm willing to accept a 30% decline or a 25% decline in the S&P or a 30% decline if we go that far 
if we can get inflation back in check. So, but this market is rallying not because we're getting inflation in check in these other countries. It's rallying because of an early pivot. That's Mitch, Mitch talked about capitulation, uh, and uh, and we talked a little bit about this about on um, at the close. How about uh, on Friday? How about those? How about that six point five billion sell balance? I mean, we have not seen you know. So if you want to talk about I don't know when the capitulation on this rally is going to be, but there was you know. I don't know why those guys waited all day. I mean, they have to, right? Because they need the mark. But I mean, if you look at that, we're 150 points off the low. We're 140 points off that close from Friday. I mean, you know, maybe you had some short-term capitulation. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, well, this is I just mean, another, it's just another rally that, you know, we'll see where it leads. We'll, we got a jobs number on Friday. Maybe unemployment's going to go to 6% all of a sudden. Yeah, and you got the know. jolts jobs opening today. So keep an eye on that. That's going to hit at 10 a.m. Um, so you guys can keep your eyes on jolts job openings. But also, I mean, the spy was just oversold. So it just seems to Way me like oversold, man. Yeah, it was. It was. We talked about an it. extreme, and and so maybe we were one day, you know, early, um, and that, that usually happens, right? Um, but one thing is here is, has the rally even gone just too far in two days? I mean, this is pretty significant. I think we move go to back above the three seventy. Yeah, I, I, let's I, give I, a perspective. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like yeah. thirty eight fifty, maybe. What are you, you guys know? thinking? Mitch, let's give a perspective to your point. I mean, we're way oversold. If you were shorting stocks, we said that. We are due for a bounce. I said it yesterday on the show. There's no reason to sell stocks after we just fell 10% in a week and a half, you know, or two weeks. Like, what did we fall in the S&P? 4, 10. I wish I could Down find. to 360. What is that move? You're talking about a 15%, 13% move. Like, that's a significant, am I right? 40 handles. Yeah. You're yeah. talking about a 12 to 13 percent move off that last CPI data in one, two, three, five, seven, ninety seven. Literally, you're right. You're in 14 right days. Three we fell 13 percent in 14 days. We're oversold. I said it yesterday. I said you're gonna get more rallies. This has been not easy on the shorts. It's not are like you guys oh, on the, the 50 percent. It hasn't been easy on the shorts the whole time. We've had wicked rallies the whole time. The question is, does Powell just turn around and squash this rally in a couple of days? Maybe. Does some does some Fed, you know, probably there is Fed talk today, just to give you a heads up. Uh, there there are um I mentioned it to Mitch, and Mitch was like, <laughs> we, we always are here. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah there's Fed talk here. on my calendar every single day. So I, I mean I it's almost like when do these Fed ever not talk? <laughs> That'll probably be a better mention. But I think, you know, do we get a 50% retracement from the recent move back towards Three eighty four fifties. That's where I can see. Uh, it. I just said thirty eight fifty. That's a not. Yeah, that that would be. Uh, that's a quarterly number that uh, comes into play. But if we if we go to the charts, we go to the upper right chart. That's your daily. I mean, you know, you you had a, a big decline, right? And then you tried. You made a lower high. Then you sold off hard. You know, sold off really hard. This was off the CPI number. I think I. Um, the numbers, I think for the, for the, uh, for the year, we were down 24%. I think as of Friday, we were down 24% for the year. That's pretty substantial. But I mean, you look at the bars coming down here and they're pretty wide open. You know, those are big bars. It's, you know, for me, I mean, other people, you know, the way you do your technical analysis, I mean, you might be able to find some levels in here. 
But for me, it's 83 and a quarter. That's 30 handles away. Then you're talking about over 3,800. I mean, there's just, there wasn't much on here on the way down. I don't know if we there's could go to 3,900 easily and still be in a downtrend. We could yes. go up another 180 S&P handles and still be in the downtrend. Yep. There's lots of room. And, uh, you know, somebody was making a point, and I, I just it scrolled away there on me, but they were saying, you know, it hasn't been easy on the longs, it hasn't been easy on the short. It's been a chop fest. It hasn't been easy. What's been easy is fading moves, you know, like fading overall moves. And, you know, we just rallied 130 handles here two days. I'd be taking some profits into it. Now, can we go to 380 or 390? We could. I mean, but I think we're going to shop around. I think we're still in the chop fest. You know, what did we say? The Titanic analogy. We're going to sit here and bob up and down for a while. We're going to do work here at these old lows because you've got the real battle between the bulls and the bears. I think eventually the earnings season will take us down because I think it's going to be an epic disaster. But at the same time, we're oversold. We need to chop up. We need to do more work here. We need to sucker in more people, you know, and then we can take us down through the lows. So, but... There's lots of opportunities here to play this. I mean, from a day trading perspective, these markets are really good. We're getting, you know, but it's not good for those who are chasing moves. It hasn't been good for those who are chasing moves. Yes, it worked yesterday if you bought the open, but we know I've talked about the two-day rule on this show for eight years. You get a move, a counter move, and everybody gets caught and everybody's looking like, that was the bottom. And then they come in the next morning, rah, rah, bullish. We got Australia even pumping it through. And then, you know, after two days, they usually pull the rug out from under it again. So I'd be cautious buying it now for the simple reason we just ride 120 points in two days. But at the same time, I'm, it, it's, you know, we, could, we got room to 380. We could continue here too. So let's see what happens after the open from a day trading perspective. From a long-term perspective, I'm sitting here at 43% cash and I'm not jumping in stocks here today. There was if I a wanted lot to buy pe- stocks, I would have bought them yesterday. A lot of people thought though, and uh, Mitch, and when we were doing at the close show, a lot of people were like licking their chops on the short side, you know, because, and I, I was like, you know, and actually we took a poll. Was that, you know, was Triple D selling the rip or was he just going to wait another day? And I, I talked about the two day rule too. So you probably caught some people that were like, oh, that that's nothing. We're going right, you know, we just made a new low for the year. This is a one-day rally, so that kind of that might have exacerbated things a little bit to the upside. But a lot of different factors going into this rally, and I just wish I just wish it was uh, it was other news than what the Aussie Bank did. But what, what's what's earnings season start? I keep asking that. I should just you're, look you're, up you're a week out from the beginning. A of week, the banks. okay. You're 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 two and a half weeks out from the mega caps, so you're okay. in the earnings warning season though. So anytime you could get somebody <laughs> dropping something and saying it's not looking that good. I think the earnings are not going to be good. I may be wrong, but I don't think they were that great last quarter. I don't think they're getting better. So I don't think the earnings are going to be great. I think we're going to be some bombs. To Spinner's point, he made a great point, though. Let's see what the reaction is. I mean, we saw the beginning of last earnings season, Walmart were warning, you know, last earnings season, you know, a few weeks ago, FedEx. Um, but you know, we have seen those turnarounds happen too, where a company warns and then they actually, you know, knock them down, but then they kind of buy them. I mean, Micron's response to its earnings was pretty good because they weren't great, I noted but the stock was, was down, but then they turn around and buy it, bought it. Simple seller exhaustion. I mean, stocks don't go straight down. They don't go straight up. They chop around and this has been the year of chop. So expecting us to just go, you know, down from 410 spy three weeks ago and it goes straight to 310. 
it doesn't happen that way. There's lots of moves. And that's why I think if you're really overweight stocks, I think you use the rallies to lighten up. If you're underweight stocks, maybe you're using the, the, the sell-offs to buy. But I'm hesitant on the buy still right now because I'm scared that you know, the earnings are going to be terrible. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and um, now let's go to the Apple news today. We did get some Apple news from Foxconn, uh, Apple supplier, and here kind of battling back what we've been hearing from uh, everybody kind of mentioning the iPhone demand. So they came in here, Foxconn maintaining its full year outlook, and the company said Tuesday that it's cautiously positive on the outlook for the fourth quarter. Thought that was an interesting outlook. Um, what does cautiously positive mean to you? What do you guys think? What's the symbol on Foxconn? So you just look at Apple. It's just, okay. you can just look at the Well, supplier. I'm just going to make my comment. I mean, they ganged up on Apple last week, big time, between Bloomberg and Bank America. And I don't know what their earnings are going to be. I don't know if they're going to warn. I don't know. But it was really, uh, you know, two days in a row. You know, the big boys coming out and bashing it. I don't know what the earnings are going to be. I thought I was a little bit overdone. Uh, but what I'll, you know, what the, I'll let the street make the decision on what do they think about what Bank America and, and uh, Bloomberg did. Because uh, the close before that mess started uh, was 149.84. And uh, it's actually, let's see, Thursday, Friday, Monday. Yeah, well, 150. To me, if, there, if 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 Apple had earnings, you know, if people are going to shrug it off, I think it's going to get up to 150 and hold. That's still five bucks away. So I think there's still some skepticism about uh, Apple's. It's easy support. room to 150 on Apple. We've bounced, you know, we've, you know, obviously people chasing. I mean, Apple had a huge move too. We're 160. Look where we were on that day of September, which is literally three weeks ago. <laughs> we were 164 down to 150. 37 that's a significant sell-off for the biggest company in the world so but i do i think it's over no i think there's still more downside i think i'd be a seller rally snap i think it gets to back to 150 and i think you lighten up i'm i'm thinking apple is eventually going to retest the lows i think eventually apple you know i don't know if they're going to warn i think they could warn i think there could be another mega tech that warns and brings apple down as well i'm i'm scared we haven't had any warnings in a while, in a, like a week or yeah. so. Oh, we had Rena, uh, Rena Center on Friday, uh, but yeah. um, we haven't. We, we've we, had FedEx, Steel Dynamic. Who else? Newcore. Um, so maybe that's another reason that you know we just haven't had any bad news. You know, like that another. another there hasn't been any bad news. Often. No. 
When I read more in, into the Foxconn situation and the Apple situation, what I think is going to happen here is that there's going to be certain part of their phone. Remember, they came out with the, you know, the iPhone and then they have the Pro, the Max, Max Pro, right? And so what I think is going to happen here is it's going to be a lower demand for their lower tier phone. But the higher demand for their higher tier phone is going to make up some of the revenue. So the revenue is not going to look too bad, but the demand probably is going down. So take that as, as you want to go ahead and take it. It's kind of like a grain of salt there uh, for their earnings coming up. That's what kind of Foxconn is kind of pointing more to today is that the revenue still is going to make it there. But there's some lower demand probably for their lower tier phone. We'll see what happens there in Apple. What confirmations we can get. Uh, let's go towards Greg Abel taking up uh, insider stake there. It came for Berkshire <laughs> A and Berkshire B. And so it looks like Abel's acquired about 68 million of stock late last month, according to filings. Uh, the closed A shares closed at 413,300 on Monday on New York. Abel's stake in Berkshire uh, owns five class A shares and more than 2000 class B shares. Of course, this is eventually who will succeed at least has been stated to succeed Warren Buffett. That's It'd a, be big a sour buy. Berkshire Hathaway. They're just loaded so much Apple. It's been so forgiven too. It's like, you know, do people not realize it's 40% or 45% Apple? I mean, and you look at the correlations and somewhat there, but someone just doesn't care sometimes too. I think people think just Warren Buffett is safe money and he's such a great investor, but he's getting older here too. And eventually there will be a succession to try to think about here. Uh, I think I'm just selling into the rallies on Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, I'm selling to the rallies and everything, but I think I don't want to be buying this Berk rally here this morning. It, it's a, it's a big show of confidence, right? I mean, that that's what it is. And if you want to take it much more than that, you can uh, putting his money where the mouth is, right? Uh, the successor. Uh, looking at the brick B here, I'm not sure how many people trade the brick A. Where are we trading? Uh, we're trading up 276.75. Pair highs in one area, that's good enough for me. Another couple bucks up. Maybe no, no daily resistance until you get to close to 279. 278, I see 278.92 is a high, and then 279.13 before we uh, fell off a cliff. That was back on the 19th and the 21st. If you're looking for some more upside targets in Brick B. Brick A, no one no one trades. Let's go to Rivian here. As they said, they produced 7,363 vehicles in Q3 2022. Say they're on track to deliver on their 25,000 annual production guidance previously provided. <sighs> I'll let you guys I just saw I just saw the Rivian truck uh, when I was in New York City, and I gotta say, if there's any of the trucks that I feel matches up to like more like a Ford style truck or a GM Chevy you know style truck, I would say the Rivian looks very similar. And so I know that there's a lot of backlash on the Cybertruck because it looks like it's on came from Mars, but I think that the Rivian in the long run <clears throat> might have something there, and, and they also have the last mile delivery vehicles, right? I, I think in the long run, Rivian is going to be a company that I think you're going to see the trucks be a on the bad, road. Bad, I don't think it's going away. I think it's just valuation for me. I mean, and everything yeah. comes back to valuation. And this is why I haven't liked Rivian since 120, 110, 100, all the way down to $31. And we've been absolutely right to not like it because it keeps going down. Uh, but, you know, it's bounced a bit here from the lows. It's getting a bounce on the better than expected deliveries. 
I think there's going to be, I think Rivian's going to survive. I don't think this one's a zero. Uh, but again, you know, what's the market cap here? Let's go check out the market cap. Joel, do the technicals while I grab the market cap. Yeah, I mean, if you're buying this thing up at over 37, you're doing it wrong, as Dennis would say. Uh, we are trading at 34.23, really in no man's land. Um, on a pullback, the top of yesterday's range was 32.85. Um, next daily target for me would be 35.76. I'm just going to make a general comment about all these single. Well, do they have more than one one uh, one product? Yeah, or they got the. They tur- do. I mean, I, you know these. I don't know. I mean, if you can't be bullish Ford or GM, then how the heck can you be test? You know, be you know, Tesla's a different story. But I mean, they only make a couple cars. They don't make that many of them. I mean, I just, I just throw a wet blanket on like all these things. I just, I mean, but so here I have, I'm, uh, I'm driving an old car, so I don't know. I don't see these companies that make one or two vehicles. I mean, thirty taking, billion dollar market cap. Yeah. That's the problem. Ford's market cap, to give you perspective, is 45. So they got this thing two-thirds the market cap of Ford. I mean, we've given this argument with Tesla this before, and that truck. argument was dead wrong. We it gave was. this argument, you know, six, seven years ago. Why should Tesla be worth twice as much as Ford? And now it's worth like 10 times as much as Ford. So, I, I mean, I think the trucks are cool. I think that they're going to be on the road. I just think from a valuation perspective, it's a tough, it's, it's tough. Like, where is it going? Like $30 billion. It's already a huge company from a market cap perspective, but they sell 7,000 cars. So I, I just can't, I can't, I can't rationalize the valuation. Mm-hmm. Maybe it can grow into it. Maybe it's yeah. going to be one of the biggest car producers in the world eventually, but right now it's not. And it's being priced like it is. I think one of the things that gives Rivian an advantage than most is working with like they have with Amazon for so many years before they went public. Um, we'll give them an advantage, but we'll see what happens. Like always, uh, it's definitely one of those future stories. We'll see if Rivian can do better than Lucid, right? I think that would be kind of more of a comparison that you can Where's do. Where's the Lucid market cap now? I mean, it's $14. I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, some Remember, of these things, uh, they all came in like, reasonable valuations like three billion four billion and give me some upside but at 30 billion where are you growing to i mean lucid at 23 billion is it going to be 230 billion well there isn't going to be everybody buying cars there's just not the pie is not that big for all these companies to have 200 billion dollar market caps i mean tesla's 830 billion if that's your think it's going to be the next tesla but i don't think rivian is the next tesla i don't think lucid is the next tesla and I'm not even sure they're the next Ford or GM, and that's why it's hard to bet on them with these really lofty valuations, and they're still lofty. Haven't used this argument in a while, but I just overall, I just think there's going to be less cars on the road. I just, you know, well, first of all, people won't be. Well, able that's to a big forward. problem because the pie gets smaller. That's a big problem for all of them. If that yeah. happens, you absolutely can't own any of these things. Yeah. So that's a I, whole. That, that's just the way I feel. Of worms. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know. Less cars, cars, you know, ride sharing, Ubering. I mean, how much do you pay in insurance for, you know, how much, you know, you try, you, you do things. I mean, not that I'm bullish Uber or Lyft or anything, but I don't know. A lot, you know, if you're spending 50K, uh, you know, on a Tesla car and how much do you drive? I mean, I don't know. Less cars on the road. We don't have the infrastructure needed yet uh, for, uh, for like the whole driverless car that we were talking about uh, a while ago, but 
I think it's common eventually. Maybe not in my lifetime, but eventually. My All right. Mitch, where are you taking us this time? Let's go to uh, – <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one, right? Uh, MasterCard releasing some news. Let's do a quick little MasterCard headline, then we'll get to our guest here. MasterCard will on Tuesday launch a new product called Crypto Secure that helps banks assess the risk of crime associated with crypto merchants on its network. And the service is provided by CyberTrace, a blockchain security startup that MasterCard acquired last year. So uh, they're trying to do something better for the crypto environment with all the scams that have been going on lately. I sold out three quarters of my long-term MasterCard position at, in, in January of this year at 360, realizing a huge gain because I thought the stock could eventually go back to 250. Yeah, and it's valuation again. The valuation is just, it, it, again, here's the biggest problem is that this you know rally that we experienced the last two years was all multiple expansion. And I was like, I'm looking at MasterCard and trading 25, 27 times earnings. And I'm like, man, you know, I don't see the huge growth happening here. And I'm like, I've written this, you know, and this was one of my best long-term investments ever. You know, my average cost basis on MasterCard, I believe, is $16. So it's hard to realize when the whole thing is gained. But then I'm like, at a certain point in time, I'm just like, I don't know. So I, I realized three quarters of it, I kept a little piece of it. If I wouldn't have had that huge game, I would have sold it all. But, you know, I kept the pieces because the tax bill is so stomach-wrenching um, when you're doing that. But I just, you know, same reason with Apple, why I've hedged it all out and maybe going to sell it in January. Because I just feel like the valuations are so bloody stretched that it just doesn't make sense for me to own these things anymore. So, I mean, MasterCard, you can say, oh, it's so cheap, 290 to 400. But what's the P on this thing? It's like 24, 25. It's not cheap. I don't know. Uh, nine, 297.90. I mean, $4 a shares have traded. So that was your high from last week. Uh, I mentioned 51 and a quarter. That was the high from the last week. And the S&Ps, I think if you're you're looking at any things you scooped up in the last couple of days or yesterday, looking at last week's high, because I, I don't, I mean, this 51.50, I don't, I don't even know if we're going to. You know, it's one of those days where you just kind of think, ooh, that 6150, that pre-market high, they're going to have some heavy lifting to get there to get it back up to that area. I kind of wish the market would open already before we leak anymore. Uh, but 9790, psychological 300, that's all it is, is uh, a psychological level. But uh, do we have a, do we have CC Legator in the background there? Let's do it. Let's get towards some options action. We'll go ahead and bring on CC here. And uh, like always, guys, one thing that I included in the description, you guys can add CC's Twitter and also go on over to optionsai.com and follow along. Take a look at some of the options action. I think they do really great graphical representation of options trades. So definitely check it on out. What's going on, CC? How's it going? Mitch, I think that options action might be copyrighted. Be careful there. That's oh, a show. Oh. Be careful. Be careful. The NBC. Get the NBC Universal Lawyers coming after you. Yeah. Um, oh, that, well, you, we have the YouTube lawyers. We, we have everyone coming off after yeah, us. Yeah, they, they like to come after me. No worries. How's it going, CC guys? CC Legator, uh, uh, founder of Options AI, and man, we we've kind of uh, glossed over options as late. We 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 focus a lot on the on on the equities. Obviously, the equities lead to the to the options pricing, 
But uh, you wanted to talk about this high volatility environment and options are super expensive. We talk about that, makes them, you know, buying them and being right hard, selling them could be painful too. Uh, just talk about this high volatility environment and how you're approaching it. Yeah. So, this, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. Basically, if you, you know, if you're out there buying options right now, um, you're not really, I mean, you could be right on direction and you're not even close to you know breaking even on those calls and puts especially if they're out of the money if you're buying at the money calls and puts they're massively expensive and so when you have a situation like this where you know you've got the vix above 30 for the last you know couple of weeks uh you kind of have to change your mindset of you know even catching a rally like the last you know yesterday and then this morning you kind of have to change your mindset and you kind of have to think in a high vol environment. And what that looks like is, you know, you should be looking at alternative ways where you don't have to be, you know, your timing doesn't have to be perfectly right. You're taking advantage of what is a headwind into buying a call or a put. And what those strategies can look like, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. Um, you know, you all sort of mentioned uh, you know, fading, <clears throat> fading rallies and, and, you know, sort of fading like massive sell-offs and all, you know, the way, a way to do that in the options market is through credit spreads. So, you know, the last, I wrote something over this, you know, this past weekend about, you know, looking at some of these mega cap stocks, you know, you look at like a chart of Google over the last, you know, month, it's just basically been a straight line down it's almost impossible to time a bottom on a stock like that. But, um, you know, after a while with volatility so high, if you do like a credit put spread in a, in a stock like that, that's been beaten up over the last few weeks, you don't have to time it exactly perfectly. And you could basically, you could be wrong for a couple of days. And all you really need is for the stock to come back up above your credit put spread where you sold that level. And if that happens, then you didn't need that follow through, right? So like if you had bought calls even yesterday, and let's say you had bought them out uh, like a month or something, you, you probably still even need a follow through even after today. If this rally today were to you know stumble midday or something like that, <clears throat> then you're sitting on those calls that might still be out of the money or the break even is out of the money. And then on the you know, sort of compounding the problem with trying to time a market like this with the VIX at 30 with calls and call spreads and things like that is that if the market were to bounce and let's say this did sustain itself, this, you know, this turnaround bounce for a couple of weeks, vol gets crushed <laughs> and it goes back, you know, the VIX would be back down near 24 or something like that. And so those calls you've bought have like sucked in in value. They've compressed in value, even though you've been right on direction. So I think it's like sort of looking at, you know, specific strategies. And so you kind of have to get out of the mindset of, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to time this, the bottom of the market, or I'm going to fade this, you know, bounce higher uh, by buying puts, you know, like buying puts today, you're buying puts at 30 vol. Like you've got to be really right. This entire bounce needs to fade over the next two days or, or else those puts are going to be, um, you know, worthless or go down in value.
the reason so many people and you know even Robinhood they don't even allow you to short stock CC so I mean if people want to bet on this on the downside it's really the only way for them to do it I mean yeah. I guess you can buy those leveraged ETFs and go that way with the you know the, but it's still difficult I mean it's just and, and, no, and I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, if I'm bearish a stock, I'm not thinking about buying a put. I short the stock. Yeah. So yeah. it's so difficult to like, and this has been a really tough year. I mean, even for long only traders, you know, like you just think you're straight down all year. It's tough to make money when you're a long only trader in a down tape. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you just need to open up options and not be afraid to, you know, like what, why, you know, if you're going to be bearish the stock, Maybe look at, you know, doing something different instead of, you know, buying, maybe look at selling options, right? Yeah. And so, the, you know, this is, I don't know if we've gotten into this on prior appearances, but the the sort of regulatory, without me getting into much trouble here, the, the regulatory aspects of opening up options accounts, right? So they start you with, you can only do single leg options, Right. And so what that looks like is you can buy calls, you can buy puts, and then you can do like a cash secured selling a put, right? And you can do, if you own stock, you can sell a call against it, right? A covered call. So everybody in the audience will know those terms. And that's, you know, sort of the entry into options trading. Now, <clears throat> that cash secured put, you basically have to put up the margin as if you own the stock, right? So you're not really getting much of an advantage of trading options. If you're selling a call, you need to own the stock, which means you have all the margin associated with owning that stock, right? Once you've done all of those crappy trades that have low probability <laughs> and require huge amounts of margin, then they allow you to do level three options trading, right? And so level three options trading would be, oh, I don't need to own this stock to sell this call. Why don't I just sell a credit call spread? It's defined risk. I'm risking, you know, 600 to make 400. And if I'm wrong and this stock, you know, goes to the moon, then, you know, whatever. I, you know, I live to see another day, right? I don't have to put up a million dollars to cover if the stock went up 20%. And then the same thing, like this weekend, you know, after last week's sell-off, which was basically the fourth sell-off in a row, like I didn't know stocks were going to go up Monday, but you kind of had a feeling we were near, maybe possibly near a bounce. You might be off by a week well the way to do that is like selling a credit put spread right and you know in some of the stocks you like or in the market because if you don't need to get that exact bounce you just need the market to stop going down at some point right and so those are the kinds of trades and that's why those trades look like you know they might be 60 percent probability of profit you know buying a call buying an out of the money call might be 20 percent probability of profit and unfortunately, that's how most people start into their options, you know, sort of journey is they're basically, you know, it's like going into the casino and they say, you can only play this table with the really bad odds. Like, you know, we, we, we're not going to let you at the other it. table with the better odds. So it's very strange. And I don't, you know, there's reasons regulators do that, but, you know, it's sort of our mission with Options AI is to advance people as quickly as possible to the good stuff. Yeah, it's just like to me, I mean, like the PDT rule, but we're not going to get into regulation here. Um, let's, yeah, I mean, I could do that all day. But yeah. one thing that I've been noticing in CC, maybe you've definitely noticed this, is the high vol and how this is, could continue. It feels to me like we've really opened a can of worms that yeah. isn't going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. How could 
how can traders now maybe take advantage of the high vol? Out yeah, there? and I think I think the market's been it's learned its lesson, right? It got faked out a couple times over the last couple of months on those rallies, where you saw, you know, I'm just using the VIX as an example. The VIX would be up above 30, like 34, 35 on some of those big sell-offs we saw in the spring and the summer. Then the market would bounce and the market would rally. Nobody believed in those rallies that much, right? Yet it was enough to get the VIX back down towards 20. I don't see that happening anytime soon, right? I mean, unless inflation numbers came out and everybody was like all clear, you know, we're good to go now. So nobody trusts these rallies. These are these still sort of feel like bear market rallies. And until that's um, you know proven otherwise, then <clears throat> it, that VIX is going to stay high. So what that does is, you know, there's two different ways to play that from a high volatility standpoint. To your question, Mitch, one is you know selling vol, right? And there's some pure sort of selling vol plays that you can do. And what that would look like is something like in, and I'll do the um, defined risk versions of this because you can sell strangles, you can sell straddles, but most people can't do that, nor should they, right? That's unlimited risk type stuff. But you can do things like selling iron condors, right? And so you can take a stock right now. I think I was looking at like Amazon last week and it was sort of like in the middle of a range. And I was looking at like the iron condors out, you know, like two months and I was like, the chances of Amazon being outside of that range, and just to sort of describe what an iron condor looks like, it's basically selling an out-of-the-money put spread and selling an out-of-the-money call spread. And if the stock finishes anywhere in between the two, those two become worthless, and you make that money from selling both of those, right? Now, as a vol play, you might not need to wait around for the stock to finish in between the two, you're just selling high vol. And let's say you sell it, sell it with, you know, the volatility is 50 and then the, the market rallies a little bit and vol comes in. Well, you can take that off at like 35 vol and you've made like half your money, your, you know, your potential income. So that's one way to do that. <clears throat> it's just sort of like a pure vol play. And then the other thing is, you know, that, like that those those zones of expected moves are are really really wide with the vix at 30 and the, what that corresponds to is the market basically needs to move 3% a week to cover its options prices and it's actually been doing that right like the the spy i think was down basically about 3% the last two weeks and like before that i think it was down 5% or something like that but that means it needs to continue to happen right? You need to see that level of volatility for buying options to make sense. So if you're selling options into like 30 or a 34 VIX, you have a huge room for error, right? And that's sort of what I was getting at earlier with like being bullish via credit put spreads is you don't have to be perfect. You know, you don't have to get it exactly right. If you're buying calls and buying puts, you basically have to be perfect right now. Love it. I'm actually going to go ahead and throw up the link that you guys have for the Options University on Options AI there for the Iron Condor there. So if you guys want to learn a little bit more about an Iron Condor, go ahead and check out that link that I posted in the chat. Yeah, I, a new, I, I recorded a new video series. It's like an 11 video. You know, each one's like three minutes or something. And people can whip through, through that. They can fly through that. Awesome. Yeah.
We're on the line with CC Legator. He is the uh, founder of Options AI. So uh, I'm looking at uh, the SIBO uh, daily VIX here. And so let's say we've we've accepted that there's going to be a higher volatility environment, right? Where would you like to see the VIX come to and stabilize? Because I like I I look at things. I go by the average daily range in the S and P's, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that that's just not a good thing. You'll have outsized moves yeah. on the upside and outsized moves on the downside. And I I don't see a turn in that yet, even after yesterday's range. Where would be a level where you would now that we're accepting the higher volatility environment? Where would you like to see it come in and just kind of stay still? And then you'd be like, okay, you know, maybe it's okay to dip your toe in the water. Yeah. So it's actually been doing, it's been in a fairly, the VIX itself has been in a fairly predictable range this year. So when we've bottomed out after sell-offs, the VIX has generally been 32 to 34 ish. I think it's been, you know, 35, maybe in its worst moments. And each one of those all year has signaled a, a tradable bottom, at least, right? Obviously, none of them have been sustainable bottoms. And then on the flip side, I think the, the it got really low this last rally. But it, when it starts to get down into that 24 and below range is generally a, an area where I think given unless the news changes, unless the inflation news completely changes and it seems like a sustainable rally, when you see the VIX back in the low 20s, 24 and below, you should probably think about taking some stuff off and you should you should think about like selling into those rallies and things like that. Um, you know, even potentially given what just happened the last you know month, maybe even hedging, um, because at that point, when the VIX is back down near 20 and just for sort of like to set everybody's like, um, you know, center of gravity. Historically, the mean in the VIX is around 19, right? So when you have like the most boring bull markets in the world, the VIX is down in like the mid to low teens. Uh -huh. And then when you see normal sell-offs during a bull market, the VIX will spike to like 24 or something, let's say. In a bear market, the VIX, what we're seeing is that the VIX will get up to like 34, Right. And then it'll go back down towards 20 and it won't stay near 20 for long because it's only a matter of time before you see another sell off. The nightmare scenarios that, you know, everybody, maybe except Mitch, is old enough to remember like the, <laughs> the um, in our chat. You know, when you see like the great financial crisis, that kind of stuff, that's when you see the VIX like 60. Mm -hmm. And those are the those are like the craziest moments where you basically can't even trade options that day. Like it's just stuff is so out of like so crazy. And those moments last for about 10 seconds. Right. So it'll be like the VIX will be 60. That's basically the bottom. But who cares? Because you can't even trade. Right. And those moments. So so that sort of 34, Joe, like that 34 to 24 is basically oh. how it's been trading recently. And like, you know, the on Friday, I think the VIX closed 32. It was like almost right there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I want to address this one question. I think I, I, I'm going to get it right from Jim Morgan. If volatility remains high, doesn't that negate, negate the premium shrinkage problem? You're selling puts into calls in the high volatility environment. But then you're also buying them back in in a high volatility. Yes, it's a great question. And so basically what it's doing, I think it's the, the best way to look at it is it's built in room for error for you. So 
if you are selling, you know, high vol, the highest vol of the year in Apple, um, you've built in so much room that Apple needs to move for you to be wrong that it's covering for the fact that you might not actually be able to buy vol lower, right? Like if you're pure IV trading, now, if you saw the VIX 35 and you wanted to do a pure IV sale, you're probably going to get a chance. Like you're either going to be wrong and the market crashes or the market's going to bounce and vol will come in enough that you could actually have done that pure vol trading. But I think to, to answer what's re a really good question is that that expanded vol has just, you're benefiting from trading on the other side of what is a headwind for everybody else in the market. So it's built in extra room for you to be correct. And so in especially the way I would think of vol versus like expected move trading is if you're trading anything in the next couple of weeks, you're basically not trading vol. You're, you're trading how much this stock could move. Like volatility is pricing, you know, $10 in either direction. You're either going to be right or wrong if you're selling options or buying options. If it goes up 15, you were wrong if you sold options, right? So when you're trading vol, I generally think of that as like at least 45 days out, I would say. And so that's sort of like I, when I was in a market maker, you know, I thought of everything in that front month as gamma. And I thought everything of like the second, third, fourth month as vega, you know, vol. And so that's a good way to think about it is if you want to do pure vol plays, look out farther. And I looked at like the VIX curve, I think it was yesterday. It's kind of flat. It's sort of like 29 all the way out. So a lot of times what you'll see is like the front month VIX 35 and then like two months out, it'll be like 26 or something. It, it doesn't even look that right, right now. It's pretty flat. So if you're doing pure vol plays, like go out two months, basically two expiries. Give your chance, give yourself a little bit more of a chance yeah. going out. Right? It's pure vol out there. The movements matter less. Whereas the it, if you're trading like this week's expiry or this month's, it's all just the movement. You're, you're flipping a coin as to how much the stock moves, basically. Jim Morgan says, nice, great answer. Thanks, guys. CC Legator, uh, founder of Options AI, talking options to us layman people, you know? Just uh, <laughs> trying to understand what's going out there. Uh, thank you very much, CC. We'll get You're you out there again soon. Uh, we look like we have Triple D in a full trade mode here. No, no, I'm uh, here. Okay. I'm always listening to CC. Like some people, you come in, you got, but CC just talks so well and answers everything so well. You learn so much, you know, because he's in it. And I mean, you know, this the spreads tactics. I mean, yeah, that's what people do wrong is they just come in, I'll buy puts, you know, and I'm going to make some yeah. money here. We'll sell something else against it. You know, know, because that premium, when your VIX is over 30, just destroys your profitability. So, I mean, just buying puts, I mean, it's a tough game. So, you know, playing through the spreads, playing different ways. You're an options trader, definitely follow CC. It's just a, one thing, too, is like if you're just one day off, like in an option, like you think, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for this pot, you know, I'm going to go for this strike. And then you're off one day. And it has like a, a big drop. Then you're like, then you're just battling uphill. 
You know, it's just, you know, the timing yeah. has to be perfect. But uh, we're bouncing around here, Dennis. I don't know. Are, are, are the stocks, uh, I see the stocks acting pretty good here from what I'm looking at uh, on a percentage basis. We have the SPY up uh, 1.58%. I see, uh, you know, some things a little bit more, a little bit less. Uh, how do you think the stocks are reacting when, to I'm the- I'm going to say uh, it again. When the VIX is over 30 or 29, 30, stocks all move together. So if you look today, everything is green. You look yesterday, everything is green. Then you go, everything is red. You're like, why is that? Because when it gets a stock is a stock is a stock, when you start getting the VIX over 30. As we start to come down volatility, then you'll start to see rotation and separation. But you know the way I trade it, when VIX is over 30, a stock is a stock. And everything starts moving together. So you got to understand those relationships as well. And they change. They're dynamic. And they change with the VIX. So VIX coming down under 30 gets down to 24 25 then you start to get into more normalized markets at least a little bit more normal and nothing not everything's moving together i mean oil's up today airlines are up today i mean that's a perfect example in normalized markets oil's going up it's not good for airlines but in these markets everything just kind of moves together you get you know exxon mobile trading up 1.8 percent here and you got you know southwest airlines Trading right along with it up 2.34%. Welcome to a high VIX. This is how it works. Those normal relationships don't exist when you get the VIX over 30. So just keep that in mind you know, as a trading lessons for you. We did get some news to hit the tape while we were doing the show, which was the Micron news. And I saw the chat mention it too. So shout out to everybody that mentioned it. So Micron pledging up to $100 billion for semiconductor factory in New York. This is coming from the New York Times. How much? A hundred billion. Significant. Wow. That's tax credits. Uh, you remember North, uh, <laughs> New, York, <laughs> New York okay. has New York has a, a really good tax benefit if you can go to northern New York and kind of establish there. So uh, looks like they're getting some kind of help more than likely from New York to kind of get this out. But hundred billion, that's a lot. Uh, I'm not chasing it here. I'd say 5345. Uh, that's what I would focus on. If you're long Micron, that was your September 15th high. Uh, you seem to be congregating there. Next daily high 5423. Triple D, anything on uh, on Micron or, or the other? I'm still uh, long Micron in the long term portfolio. I'd look at a 50% retracement of the move, 65 down to 48. That's 17. Ooh. So we'll take another nine up from the 48 and you get to like 56 to 57. I think you're Ooh. running into trouble in that area. Wow. That's, that's a little ways up there. No, All right, but, wait, I'm not saying it's going there. I'm saying, it no, 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 no. I mean, no, you're looking for something. No, that's, I, I'm, it's, it's all this way. So I, when you get these big moves, now I'm looking at 50, we're, we're starting to get a little bit of a rally. So I'm looking at some individual stocks. I'm holding up while I'm looking, where's the 50% on these things. Support, resistance, trends, 50%. There's your technical analysis, less than you, all you need in five seconds. All right, let's go to the analyst rating. Uh, we're getting an upgrade in Gilead today, and pay attention to Gilead. They also got an FDA approval for a viral vector manufacturing facility in Southern California to produce a commercial product. And the upgrade helping here, JP Morgan, uh, coming in with an upgrade prior was a neutral, moving it to overweight here, raising the price target to 72. Um, so not the worst price target there, but the prior price target uh, was 72. They raised it to 80 there. So 
Gilead's been dead money for six years here. We're at the same price we were. It didn't participate <laughs> in the money. bull market whatsoever. Everybody's in it for the dividend, 4.55%. of Those dividends are less attractive when you got higher rates on cash. So I think there's no reason to own Gilead here, in my opinion. I'd fade the JP Morgan upgrade. Let's see if I can get this in here. I got a, I got a three-star for you, folks, if you're trading this. Yeah, technically – Technically, yeah, this I thing mean, is it's opening at yeah, up a buck ninety, opening right into that area. I, I got to make it a three star. There's three highs there, so that's what you got. Yeah. That's a, oh, I could do buck ninety moving off a uh, an upgrade. That's a big move. So take your target if you want it. Uh, if not, things open up. I didn't realize this came in so hard, but uh, uh, you know, and it, the, so did the market. They well, it was the the selling of everything dividend plays. People hiding yeah, in. Okay. Oh, it's got a nice dividend four percent. Is a dividend nice of four percent? We get four percent in cash. Not that nice anymore. I true. hear. I heard Cameron on uh, CNBC uh, yesterday, and she was talking about you know looking a little bit you know longer term. Yeah. And she said she was she was talking about the healthcare stocks. You know. Um, you know this sector. Um, and then you know what she also said that I thought was interesting. She said that this capitulation that you're seeing, like in the XLU here. Yeah, um, maybe this is just you know, like you know, because this was the safety trade, right? Maybe, maybe people are saying this ain't you know, maybe it's time to do some real acid relocation, and you know, that this trade that was a safety trade, we were in it, we were in it, and now I'm not talking about ARC and I'm not talking about you know, real you know, speculative stocks, but she was just she was looking at this as you know, maybe. You know, this is good. It's good for the market. Maybe people are going to get a little bit more risky. But And, uh, and it's sold off. We've had a significant sell-off in the XIU. Come in short in XIU now. It was $78, so it goes to 65 So this is a, it gave back its entire move for basically the year in three weeks. I mean, these are big moves. I, I think, you know, I didn't make sense for me at 70 72 74 76 78 It doesn't probably make sense for me at 68 but I've got to respect that the, that it's very oversold mm-hmm. some of these utility stocks. And if we go to get, you know, a, a Fed pivot, which I don't believe is going to happen, but if we start to think like that, the market starts to think that's going to happen, they'll buy utility stocks because the only reason they're getting hit is because of the higher rates. They need the rates down for utility stocks to go higher. Utility stocks will trade off rates. All right, I'm going to hop here. I'm going to tell you, you know, the pre-market high there is 61.50. I can't get 51.50 out of my head because that was last week's high. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Also, you know, for your perspective stocks, I mean, not everyone exactly the same. uh, But, you know, if you got, if you did a, you know, a swing trade the last two days and you're looking at, you know, follow through or potential targets, I, I would take a look at your high from last week. Because this is a this is a pretty pretty big advance. So good show today. Uh, good thing for the Australian Bank to help us out today. And uh, everyone, have a great day. Back with you guys later on. Have a good one, Joel. I'll get you on out of here, Dennis. Uh, have a great trading day. We'll see what yeah. happens today. Chop, chop, chop. That is what we're in. 2022 has been the year of chop. How do you play chop? You have fade moves. I'll keep saying it because it's working. Yeah. That's the truth. Um, We're going to go ahead and start wrapping on up. I'll get Dennis on out of here. Last message I wanted to bring in was some cold news. I've been bringing it up to you guys a little bit late just because 
We might not be able to always catch it, but keep your eyes on some coal stocks out there. Uh, BTU has made a big drive recently. What's going on here? Well, news like this from Danish authority uh, company Orsted uh, stating here that they are putting some coal factories back to work. So they're going to go ahead and get these ready to start kind of getting a primary source of fuel from coal. And of course, what is this an alternative to? from natural gas. And so if you're wondering why natural gas hasn't really kind of breaking out, well, a lot of that I think is the outlook that coal is making the first run. Do I think natural gas eventually breaks out? Yes, but I think coal is gonna get the first kind of move here as you're seeing stocks like AMR, CEIX getting some lift. This was one that I've been giving about for two days now, has made a nice little move in two days, about 15%. So keep your eyes on maybe some laggards like METC, or you can look at NC, uh, maybe ARCH kind of lagging back, trying to get back onto the 200-day moving average. This is something to keep on watch. Is this the right move or the wrong move? Might not be it, but I'll tell you right now, uh, definitely coal has had a big jump up in the last week. We'll see if it pulls back today, but something to keep on watch with the story. I'll get you guys on over to live trading on next. Let's get you go to over. This is where we go ahead and take a look. Remember yesterday, I gave you guys what? What stock did I give you guys? I gave you guys FSLR right before the bell here, right before we closed on up. And I told you guys about the rule of three, right? We were looking for a push above the trend line going towards 136. We got that yesterday. And there's your breakout in FSLR towards the high. You guys could have got this right on live trading, or maybe you guys caught it at the end of pre-market prep. But if you want to find out more trades like this and learn some more strategy, come on over to live trading. That's where I'm killing it every day. And of course, I got Lord Ryan with me today. And most of the times get our YOLO action Zunaid in there. So come on over to live trading. That's coming on now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.